Cougar Tracks post-game drive begins now. It's 1.55 a.m. Mountain Time, Sunday, November 12th, 2023. BYU falls to Iowa State, 45-13 in the penultimate home game in the inaugural Big 12 season. First time BYU falls at home in any Big 12 game this year. Tough setback for the Cougars as there was a feeling, maybe a little bit of a belief, that maybe, just maybe, BYU could spring the upset and take down Iowa State. Nope, that didn't happen. I'm Mitch Harper, your BYU insider. If you're new to this, I'm leaving Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I'm on Canyon Road right now, heading back home to Murray, Utah, sharing my thoughts as I drive. For some reason, I'm very wired tonight. I don't know, maybe it's just a dramatic loss gets me a little more wired than other games. I don't know. But I don't, I don't feel tired despite the clock almost hitting 2 a.m. Where do I begin with this BYU game? From the beginning, this BYU team set the tone they were going to lose the game. Opening kick, fumble. You recovered it, but you weren't on the same page right out of the gate. Then the first offensive play, interception. The next touch, a fumble on another kickoff. And before you could blink, BYU was down 10-0, and it was pretty much all she wrote after that moment. This was a disaster of a game for BYU. Look, Iowa State's good. They're a very good football team, and to be quite honest with you, I think in the 16-team Big 12, Iowa State's going to be in the upper crust of the league because they're such a young football team. If they can maintain the roster retention with that group, not get guys to go into the portal, they're going to be a force because Matt Campbell, he's built an identity. They go to bowl games at Iowa State. That's what they do. Last year was an outlier. This is the norm of what Iowa State produces in a year where they're the youngest team in the Big 12 Conference. They, not BYU, punch their sixth win, and they're going to the Bulls. Probably going to go to the Independence Bowl. We'll see. I mean, BYU still got two more opportunities. Independence Bowl executives were at the game on Saturday night. But bowl games are a distant thought right now for BYU. That's the last thing Cougar fans like yourself that you want to hear right now. This team's got so many issues. All the phases of the game, offense, defense, special teams. It's a problem. It's a systemic failure right now for BYU. One of the big takeaways I have from this game, it's one thing to lose. I talked about this last week at West Virginia. It's one thing to lose. It's a whole other deal where you are getting outclassed, you're getting outmatched, and anything you thought your identity was coming into the year, it's a complete 180. It's anything but in a negative way. No physicality up front. BYU can't set the edge. They're struggling right now in so many different facets of the game. The offensive line's a big issue. Everything's a problem right now for BYU. Nothing can work. And these teams, 
that are five and four roll into Provo and win by 32 points. Folks, I've been watching BYU football for a long time. I can't point to many times that a 500 football team rolls into this stadium and just blows the doors off BYU. Now, I've seen blowouts. I saw Boise State in 2003 walk into here on a Halloween night and just stomp BYU. That was a 12-win team. I've seen Wisconsin in 2017 come into here and blow the doors off BYU 40-6. That was an 11-win team. Iowa State was a five-win football team, same record as BYU, and they just ripped the shreds out of BYU. Kalani Sataki in the postgame was pretty candid. And you know what? I respect the heck out of it that what Kalani said about the defense. The first question I asked him, what's happened to the defense? And he said, I'll give you probably a better answer on Monday after I get a chance to watch the film. But guys not believing in the scheme. Guys not bought in. And I think people might say, oh, 10 games in, they're not believing in the scheme. Suddenly the belief... To me, I look at it as the belief from the guys is they're questioning themselves now. They're overthinking it, and they're not just trusting what the coaches are teaching them and putting them in the spots to have success. They were bought in in week one. They were bought in at the beginning of the season. But now it's been tested because adversity has hit them, and they're folding. And we've kept hearing that they're unified, they're on the same page. That's clearly not the case. A unified team would ultimately have a breakthrough, I would think. Unless they're just... You know, unified in, in other regards, I, I don't know, but they're, they're, they're not unified on the field. There's no unity. There's no cohesion. There's no chemistry from what BYU's doing. And what's concerning, too, you have these losses, and they're mounting up, blowout after blowout after blowout. What momentum, if any, do you build on going into next year because again I'm okay if you lose some games I think any Cougar fan listening they understood that the Big 12 was going to be tough but to lose all these games and just to get destroyed to kind of get the soul taken from you what do you turn to next year what do you build off of how challenging is it going to be to have roster retention and maintain personnel that have shown flashes and keep them happy and say, hey, run it back next year to a group that uh, who knows what it's going to look like. But, hey, come run it back. It's a tough sell. And then, you, what, you got to fill the gaps again with the transfer portal? I don't know. Another area that's struggled as we kind of look over the stats here. Again, I'm driving. I'm trying to think off memory here on some of the stats for BYU. So if I miss up some of the numbers, I think Iowa State had about 430, 486, I think, on total yards. BYU was somewhere in the 300s. Felt like some of that was a lot late. BYU just struggled. The offense, there was no threat tonight. I was confused as to why BYU didn't turn to the pass a little bit more. But at the same time, watching it live, receivers weren't creating any separation. None. Iowa State secondary just shut BYU down completely. 
Jake Gretzleff had to turn to the run a lot. He was in a spot where there was much there wasn't much he could he could do. Jake's a better athlete though than I thought. Coming out of that game, that is one positive I do take away is that Retzlaff is a lot quicker on the ground than I thought he would be. He might even be quicker than Zach Wilson, to be honest with you. I I, I think. You know, I'd have to see more from Retzlaff. And, you know, that's a nice element, but that's probably why going into next year, you've got to probably have another transfer portal quarterback added. You do. You just do. I was kind of getting to the point, and I was talking about this with Matt Biamonte. Matt Biamonte actually brought it up, too. He was the one that had started it. Why not give a look to another quarterback in that game? Look, and I'm not saying always go to the next guy. Always go to the next guy. But holy cow, like it's just not working. Hey, Ryder Burton, what do you got? We're going to maintain your red shirt. Let's give you some game snaps. Let's see what you got. You're going to be in the quarterback competition in January. See what you got. Right? Why not? Keenan Slovis did dress on Saturday night. It's going to be interesting to see what BYU does now at quarterback because Retzleff clearly did not shut the door and say, hey, okay, Keenan, you're, you're done for the year. Have a nice career. We're going to help you out, and away we go. You probably go to Keenan Slovis on Saturday against Oklahoma if he's healthy enough to go. He was throwing passes in pregame warm-ups. He was suited up. So that would indicate that he is getting a lot closer to – getting back to full strength. Retzlaff missed out on an opportunity to be that starting quarterback for the remainder of the year. Maybe they still go with him because of that ability to run. That is a nice dynamic, but maybe you find ways, you start Slovis, and you find ways to work in Retzlaff to create a dynamic where he can take off and run. He was taking a lot of hits, though. Man, he was taking some hits. Iowa State was laying the hit stick. But there's just a lot of issues for this BYU team now. And it's just been mounting. And you just felt like, wow, if you can't win a game at home, in your backyard, night game, fans are there. More than 60,000 showed up on a cold weather game late night. And that's the performance they got. Man, that is, that's discouraging. That's disappointing. Fans deserve better than watching that performance, I'll tell you that much. So BYU just completely struggled. And it was it was just one of those games, too, where I don't feel like there was many highlights. I just don't. I don't feel like there was many individual performances. Yeah, Aiden Robbins had a 36-yard run. That was nice. It was a nice run, the best probably of his BYU career thus far. It was a good run. But what do you point to? What do you say you build off of going into this week? Even the final drive of the game where they're trying to get a touchdown late to get a little momentum. Couldn't do that. I liked what JoJo Phillips did. Got a touchdown grab. Great moment for him, his first career catch. That was that was nice for JoJo. But aside from that, I don't know what you write home about. I just don't. 
I don't know what gets people moving and feeling good about BYU football going forward. And, oh, by the way, you're going to face an Oklahoma team that has a quarterback in Dylan Gabriel that accounted for eight touchdowns on Saturday night against West Virginia. Yeah, the, the same West Virginia team that you mustered up seven. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's what's happening. Tough times for BYU. If Baylor wasn't as bad as they are, there's a case that BYU might be the worst team in the Big 12 right now. Right now. Not over the course of the entire season, the whole body of work, but right now. A stock meter, BYU might be dead last. And then the issues get compounded by the cleats. Holy cow, the cleats. What a mess. Look, and this has not been something new. This is not just, oh, this happened on one cold night at Lavelle Edwards Stadium in November. This has been ongoing for years. Isaac Rex even said the field's kind of naturally slip, slippery. He knew and knows that field is a problem. BYU always has issues with slipping. It's happened for, I swear, a decade. They always have these problems. That has to be fixed. This notion where you're slipping, but then the opponent who's a visiting team is not? How do you not know all the nuances, the crevices, everything about your home turf? How do you not know that? How does the equipment staff not say, everyone have these bolts, whatever it was, screws into your cleats, have that on your cleat so you do not slip? You got to have that on your cleat. It's just the little things like that. When you are an underdog every single week, you have to maximize every possible area that could shrink your already thin margins. Just not a good look for BYU. Tough night all around. And Matt Campbell, he had his team ready. Business-like approach. They step in, get their sixth win. They're moving on. And they're still in the Big 12 championship race at six and four. The Big 12 conference, too. The talent is so much better than I think people realized. And far too often, I think people looked at the logos on helmets at Iowa State. West Virginia, TCU, these aren't great teams. And look, no one's saying they're great, but the depth, the talent, there is a talent gap between BYU and Big 12 teams. I didn't want to believe that because I really truly believe this is a pretty talented BYU football team, but it's talented by BYU standards. It's not talented by the Big 12 standard. And the Big 12 standard has been in existence for a quarter century. And BYU's never experienced that. BYU has to become a top 40 recruiting program from the high school ranks, not the transfer portal. Top 40 in high school recruiting consistently if they want to be in the upper tier of the Big 12. That's just, to me, got to be the, the expectation. 
And then you can say, yeah, the recruiting rankings, no, 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 no. The recruiting rankings play themselves out. Georgia's number one in recruiting rankings. They're number one on the field. Alabama's dynasty coincides with the dynasty on the recruiting trail. Yeah, maybe things get a little bit blurry with, you know, teams 25 to 50. They're a little bit, you know, hit and miss. Got to have some scheduling things go your way. But top 40 recruiting program, that's what BYU needs to be. And it's not happening. It's not. I think the defensive recruiting is trending up. I think the offensive recruiting should be better than what it is. And I say that because you've had Puka, Tyler Algier, Jaron Hall, Zach Wilson. You're producing big names to the NFL. You should be cleaning up in the state, but for whatever reason, BYU is not cleaning up in the state. you got to be a top 40 recruiting program in the Big 12 going forward if you want to contend and be a 6-4, 7-3 team heading into the final two weeks of the season. Because otherwise, you're going to be hovering around this sort of threshold every year. 5-5, five 4-6, and five, four and six, maybe 6-4 six and four at a good year. That's not good enough. BYU football standard of excellence shouldn't be lowered because they got to this now power five world. They should have just been motivating people to say, we got to level this thing up to the highest degree. We're embracing an arms race. We're getting into this. We're going to enhance the recruiting budget like never before. We are going to be relentless. And I just don't feel like that's happened. I don't feel like BYU is relentless in this football program right now. And I feel like it's carrying over to the field because these players are not relentless. Sometimes I wonder if fans, Cougar Nation, the passionate fans that listen to this podcast, that purchase their tickets, do they care more sometimes than a lot of the players? I might argue they do in some cases. Some, not all players, I'm not saying everyone. Like, believe me, I talked to some of these players and they take it very hard. <laughs> they take it really hard, some of these losses. But I think it's a fair critique to ask, you know, how much does this matter? Does this, because you combine the talent gap, we got to bring fanatical effort. I think Kurt Wakeley's bringing that. I, I just think BYU has a massive gap. And look, there's injuries, yes. But losing John Nelson, losing Caden Hawes should not sink this defense to the depths of which they're falling. Ben Bywater was a big loss. Micah Harper was a big loss. But you got to have the necessary depth. you got to continue to operate at a high level. That's the challenge in Power 5 football. And that's why I feel like being a top 40 recruiter, you can absorb those injuries a little bit better than where you're at now, where you're basically a top 80 recruiting school. You'll have some years where, you know, you're getting, you know, low 50s, high 60s. It's got to be top 40. And I think that's doable at BYU. Look, I've followed BYU recruiting for years, even before the internet era. BYU used to be a consistent top 40 recruiting program. I don't want to hear the people that say, oh, BYU's got this rule. They got, no, 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 no. That was, I was seeing BYU putting together top 25 recruiting classes pre-internet. I was seeing BYU in 2010 as a Mountain West team 
get a top 25 class. It's a different world now with NIL. It's a different world with conferences, how that takes on so much more significance than it did back in the day. I understand that completely. But I feel like BYU's got a lot to offer athletes. And I think the pitch has just got to get a little bit more aggressive. It's got to be a, they got to be more in pursuit. I feel like the defensive staff's going to do a nice job with recruiting going forward. I think things got to level up across the board, though. And maybe not be as selective on scholarship offers. Like, you're not Stanford. I know BYU is a tough school, and it's no joke on academics. Like, you don't lower the standard of the school for the players, but you got to broaden your pool a little bit. You can't just hit at a 90% clip with the offers you're extending out. You got to have a wider pool. Like, don't be just completely reckless and offer 500 guys like some schools do. I get you want to have those authentic relationships and make it known like you are a priority. But my goodness, you can't, when you miss out on a few guys, depth suddenly evaporates for your roster and your options, and then you're turning to walk-ons. And BYU's turned to a lot more walk-ons this year than I ever expected in year one of the Big 12. I know that this this conversation is kind of getting more big picture philosophical compared to just what happened in the night that it was, but I just don't know what you point to in that game and go, like, what, what's there to break down? You just got thumped for 60 minutes. You got beat down. Now it, now it goes to big picture conversations about long term. To me, these last two games, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, it's not about necessarily the wins and getting to a bowl. It's about showing some fight, showing some progress, and getting some flashes, some signs from guys that you feel like they're going to be dudes and key pieces in 2024, and we're going to build off of these guys. Because I don't know what you turn to right now. Roster attrition could be very high for this BYU team. The transfer portal, it's opening very soon, a few weeks, less than a month away. So this conversation is not like, oh, this is you know going to happen in May, March, April. No, no, no. Th- this is happening in a few weeks. Tough decisions are going to have to be made very soon here. So you got to have a game plan and an idea of what's going down next. So 2024 roster assembly is going to be a very big piece and a very big conversation in a couple weeks. This team, these players that are going to expect to be to be back next year, you need to be auditioning for jobs this last two weeks, showing in practice every snap, every practice rep, and then the game reps. It all matters. You got to show the flashes here that you're going to be able to build off and, and really improve this program because right now this is this is not BYU football. It's just not. Like, week after week, just getting thumped. This is shocking. Even the 2017 team, as disastrous as they were, they'd hang with some teams, but they weren't playing P5s every week. I know there was a lot of excitement to get Texas and Oklahoma on the schedule back in January. Probably should be rethinking that now. (laughs) Probably should be rethinking that now.
nicer to have Houston. UCF, I would have said a week ago, but they just blew the doors off Oklahoma State. This Big 12, man, it's crazy. It's nuts. And BYU is falling, falling back in their first year in the Big 12. But hey, the chase, there's still an opportunity for two more games to try to get that sixth win. It's going to take a monumental effort. I think the Vegas line for BYU-Oklahoma, I think it's going to be around 23 and a half. I do. I think it's going to be three touchdowns, which is just mind-blowing to think BYU could be a three-touchdown underdog at home to a team. But I think that's what they're staring down coming up on Sunday. So I'll have you covered. I'm getting to the point of the mountain right now. I'm going to cut it off a little bit early here tonight. Cougar Nation, I'll keep you covered all throughout the week, getting you ready for BYU and Oklahoma. 10 a.m. kick. I was kind of excited about that. I'm not going to lie. Let's go. 10 a.m. The last time BYU played a 10 a.m. game, 2004 against New Mexico. It was the final home game of the Gary Crowen tenure. I remember that game. I was 10, uh, or excuse me, I was 16 years old. And Matt Payne missed a few field goal kicks in that game. Ah, because if they would have won that game, they would have gone into the Utah game with a chance to win the Mountain West Conference. People forget that. And they would have got a six win to clinch bowl eligibility. They didn't do it. They lost. Then they lost and got thumped by Utah on the road. Does the same thing happen here? With Oklahoma and then Oklahoma State, we'll see. We'll find out. The other previous 10 a.m. game was 1996 Pigskin Classic against Texas A&M. First ever game with a Big 12 team. So there you go. I'm kind of excited about that, to be honest. Get up, you know, get up around 6 a.m., get up and at them, head on down to Provo, settle in early, sign me up. I'm in. Give me that 10 a.m. kick. I'm... I'm kind of done with just this whole vampire bit. Like, let's lay that to rest. Let's lay the whole nighttime vampire thing. That's done. And one more side note I got to add. Like, Cosmo, we give him a lot of praise. And rightfully so. The mascot is incredible. But even Cosmo, he took an L on Saturday night. Singing in the rain, that's your stunt? Look, Cosmo, I don't know how many more tricks you can honestly pull out. You've done everything. I get it. But even Cosmo took an L tonight. It was just an all-around big fat L for BYU. Speaking of big fat Ls, I had a cougar tail. So I took the loss. Unlike the advice Kyle Collinsworth gave me, don't give in. I gave in, KC, Mr. Triple Double. I'm sorry, man. I had to taste that chocolate cougar tail, and it was good. It was dang good. Only good thing about the night for BYU, that's for sure. I'll talk to you next time here on the Cougar Tracks Podcast, and it's powered by KSLSports.com.